Sports, how are you doing today? I'm having a great day, Hartsey. You're having a great day? Great day. What makes it so great? I uh, just got done with practice. We had a pretty good practice and doing a little video, and it's always a great day when you're at the rink. It sounds like you've got yourself a full schedule, and now a little rite of passage here. Always the assistant coaches have to make a little stop here on the Penguins podcast, so if we got to get this episode started, you have to say the magic words. Hit it. You're listening to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast, your number one destination to break the ice with your favorite players. And now, without further ado, your host of the Penguins podcast, Nick Hart. Uh-oh, uh-oh, ladies and gentlemen, that's right, we are back with another edition of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. I am Nick Hart. Thank you for joining us for our newest episode. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Hope you had a lovely weekend. Hope you enjoyed your Final Four weekend. Hope you enjoyed your WrestleMania weekend. And we've got the Frozen Four coming up now this weekend, which ends up being a perfect segue into my guest for this episode of the Penguins podcast. Joining me today is none other than Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins assistant coach and a proud Michigan Wolverine, Kevin Porter. Ports, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day, your busy day, to, to chat with me here. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, coming on here. So, Well, without further ado, I know you are a guy who not only is a proud former Wolverine, but you are always keeping up to date on Michigan sports. Men's hoops just had a solid season. Women's hoops made it all the way to the Elite Eight. And now the hockey team, your alma mater, your pride and joy, they're back in the Frozen Four. It's been too long since these guys have had a, had a shot at the ship, isn't it? It, it is. Uh, they got a good team. I've been following along this year, and um, it's great to see them back at the Frozen Four. Played well, um, you know, in the in the tournament leading up, and uh, excited to see what they can do here. They got a tough matchup against Denver, but uh, I think they have the team to to possibly go all the way. So it's exciting. That's the thing. When you make it to this point, it's going to be a tough matchup no matter what. You're playing only the best of the best when you reach the Frozen Four. And Michigan made it this far, not just because they're a good team, not even a great team. This team is stacked. This team is loaded. As an alum, and you look back and see some of the talent that these guys have been pulling in, what does that, does that feel like? Does that get you kind of jazzed up even from afar? It's pretty cool. Their forward group is, is pretty stacked. Uh, a lot of really good D. Um, they got that Portillo and that. Um, big kid, you know, has been playing well. So they got all the pieces. They just got to put it all together. You know, it's it's one of those things. Whatever team is kind of peaking um, at the right time, that uh, that usually ends up being the team that wins. But they have all the pieces to do it. It's just coming together at the right time. I've never seen anything like this in terms of their roster and the draft status of these players. You have Owen Power on the back end, who was the first overall pick at the last draft. Matty Beneers was taken one pick after him, second overall. Kent Johnson was taken by Columbus, also in the top five of last year's draft. And other first-round picks are Brendan Brisson, Thomas Bordalo, Luke Hughes, defenseman. Was he top five, too? He was fourth overall, I believe. Like, what is going on? It's just... <laughs> First-round pick after first-round pick after first-round pick. And if you aren't a first-round pick, you're probably taken in the second or third round. Or Eric Portillo, I know, was drafted by Buffalo. That is just dumb. I've never seen anything like it. 
It, it is kind of crazy. Um, the, the unfortunate thing is these guys don't have tournament experience. They didn't get to compete last year in the tournament, um, and they're all a little bit on the younger side. So a lot of skill, but uh, some inexperience there. So hopefully they, like I said before, can put it all together. Um, it's it's a young group, but uh, they got all the talent in the world. That's the yin and yang, isn't it? When you have guys that were, oh, they were just drafted in the first round, top five last year. They're still only 18, 19 years old. It's a young team that I guess is going up against. If you got to mow down your way through the tournament, you're probably playing against 23, 24-year-olds, more you know, veteran-laden teams with that tournament experience. Hasn't slowed them down yet, but I guess that's the catch if you have a young stack team like this. For sure, for sure, yeah. They're they're young, like I said, a lot of talent, but uh, it would have been nice for them to get a couple games in last year. I think there was, you know, some COVID issues, yeah. and they, they didn't get to compete in the, the tournament last year. So um, I, I think that's the only downfall right now with this team is – is uh, the inexperience, but uh, hopefully they, they pull it all together and, and you need two wins. That's the other thing. It's it's not a seven-game series. It's it's two wins and you're national champions. So um, they put it together for a weekend. They, they should be in good shape. Do you feel good about it going into this weekend? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you never bet against Big Blue. You can't bet <laughs> against Big Blue. So no, no. Let, let me ask you this then. Now that you are on the, the coaching side of things, how difficult is it, how challenging is it that you have to instruct not one, but two former Ohio State Buckeyes and Tommy Napier and Matt Bartkowski? Um, it, it, it's challenging, especially <laughs> with those two guys. No, they're, they're good guys, and uh, they're, they're fun to have around. Um, you know, fairly easy to coach, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough having the Buckeyes in the, in the locker room, so. Tommy was giving you a hard time, too, before the men's hockey tournament started, wasn't he? He was. Tommy gives me a hard time just about everything. <laughs> really? Um, oh, yeah. Anytime we're on the ice and, you know, I take a breakaway or how many goals I scored on him that practice or that week, and he's keeping tallies on me. So He's got yeah, the stats. Yeah, yeah. Ohio State, I don't know if they even made the tournament, and he's telling me that Michigan's going to be, you know, one and done, lose their first game to AIC, I think. And uh, as the number one overall seed. Yeah. Like, it's just not a great chirp, uh, trash talking, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. It wasn't very good. No, especially because, A, it didn't pan out. Like you said, no, Ohio State did not make the tournament. They, exactly. they were not even close. Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's that's uh, not one of his strengths is the trash talking. But uh, he's, he's fun to have around and, and joke around with and compete with on the ice for sure. It's it's funny you say that he's keeping track of the stats, or at least whatever he likes to parlay back to you in terms of what the, the stats are, shots, saves, etc. because we'll see you guys skating with the extra sometimes when I'm setting up for a home game or sometimes on the road, things like that. Morning skate, the extras will stay out there, the coaches will stay out there, backup goaltender, in some cases that's Tommy out there. And it was maybe a game or two ago, you guys were doing breakaways, and you scored one on him, and you would have thought Tommy just gave up like the overtime winner in a playoff. So you could hear him all the way up in the press box. Oh, he couldn't <laughs> believe that he that uh, he let you score on him. Yeah, no, I, I remember that uh, that exact day. We, uh, <laughs> I think there were three of us on the ice, and we each got five breakaways, and it was whoever scored the most. And 
That day, unfortunately, I was 0 for 4 going into my last one. You know, the last one. He just wanted the perfect score. He wanted the perfect score, and I buried the last one on him, and he wasn't real happy about that. You so c- that is a rare, rare occurrence when I go 0 for 4. Yeah. And there's no way I was going 0 for 5. So You were not going to let that happen. Couldn't let it happen. <laughs> I mean, today I went 0 for 2, and he let me know after. He, he walked by my office before he left. Lunch in hand said, Ports, uh, 0 for 2 today. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Back at it again tomorrow. Yeah. Chin up. Yeah. <laughs> Just a quick uh, chirp on the way out. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. That's great. And you could hear when you score, you could hear his groan up Monday Street. He was furious that he couldn't go the perfect score. He got him that one. Hopefully, you, you get him back tomorrow. Hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully you, you, you get it back on him there. Um, you guys, the coaches, you're not even just working with the extra. Sometimes you guys will even – Bag skate with one another, Tommy Kostopoulos, Kane TC. whenever he's in town, Scott Young. You guys will be zipping around out there, getting your conditioning in too. And my mind goes back to earlier this season when COVID-19 was still ravaging not just our locker room, seemingly every team in the league back in December. And we're calling up guys from Wheeling. We're signing players to PTOs from all over the place to cobble together a lineup. How close were we to a Kevin Porter in uniform return how well, close to, how close were we I, you know i don't know if we were that close i <laughs> i joked with jd about you know signing a, a pto and coming back and playing a few games and then i think i i got COVID around that time so um it, it would have been fun i don't know if i would have been completely prepared for that <laughs> uh i'm getting i'm getting too old so um it, it definitely would have been cool but uh and, and maybe with another assistant coach but you know, uh, having to run the D, you know, no one here here to do that. So that was that might have been a little bit of the issue. But uh, no, I I don't know exactly how close we were, but <laughs> I don't know if I was prepared for it either way. I'm sure you would have done fine. Yeah, I could have I could have strung together eight minutes or so. Strung together eight minutes, couple a couple strong penalty killing shifts. Oh yeah, yeah, make yeah, an exactly. impact that way. <laughs> I love exactly. it. I love it. I remember even joking with JD. I can't remember what what game it was, but you know the lineup was funky or whatever like that. And I walked into his office. I said, JD, we're about a test or two away from you having to suit up and come out of retirement because he's young for a head coach, especially compared to to most of the guys in the league. He just shook his head. He was like, nope, not happening. (laughs) He could definitely still play. Like you said, in the three-on-threes and the bag skates, he still moves well. Uh, He's still got a good shot, good hands. You know, a couple turnovers here and there when we play (laughs) three-on-three that we could do without. But, uh, yeah, he's still got it, that's for sure. He's still got it. That's the thing, too, the conditioning that I feel like most people, that's where it would fall off. You guys are sticking with it, but hopefully we don't have to cross that bridge anymore in terms of a massive lineup shakeups due to multiple test results and two hopefully just don't have to get to that point where the coaches have to even think about lacing them up and putting on the unis again yeah no that wouldn't be good we'd be (laughs) in a tough spot if if jd and i were lacing them up so hopefully that's not the case hopefully that's not the case i do want to talk to you though about uh, how you've made this transition from playing to coaching um, it's funny talking to uh, Taylor Fadoon, one of our earlier guests here on this podcast this season, and I think it was when he was announced captain earlier this year, I was talking to him, and he said, yeah, when I played with uh, Ports back in Rochester, you kind of had this feeling that he was a guy who was, as soon as his playing career was done, whenever he decided to hang him up, he was going to go into coaching. Talking to him, interacting with him at the rink, he seemed like he was a guy that was tailor-made for it. Did you see yourself as a guy that was 
bent on ending up as a coach someday? Uh, you know, I, I didn't really know where it, hockey was going to take me. I think I wanted to stay involved in hockey, whether that was coaching, scouting, uh, player development, um, you know, something along the lines of, of staying involved in the game. And uh, when when the whole COVID uh, thing happened, it uh, like the start of the pandemic. The start yeah, of yeah. the pandemic, uh, our season ended. I went back home to, to Plymouth, Michigan, and and uh, the U.S. program is there, and uh, to kill some time and get some experience because I knew my career was coming to an end. I was still hoping to play a few more years, but yeah. I knew it was coming to an end, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, and with the U.S. program right down the street. I got a call uh, about helping out there, and um, you know it's five minutes down the road. I said, "Why not? It's it's going to be good experience. I'll get a little coaching experience, kind of get my foot in the door, um, you know, at the U.S. program where I played many many years ago." So I did that for a few months. It was only a couple days a week, two three days a week sometimes, and just go in and kind of push pucks around and and watch their meetings and and learned a little bit from Dan Muse, the head coach of the 18 team there, and they were still looking for an assistant coach at the time. So I got to go on the bench for a few games and up in the press box for some yep. games, and then uh, they hired Greg Malden, an old teammate of mine uh, in Colorado, and and uh, he kind of took over, and I kind of stepped back a little bit, but. Um, I think JD kind of heard um, I was doing that and, and called to see if I was interested or how interested I was in coaching. Uh-huh. And, and actually, when he when he first called, he left me a message. It was right before Christmas, and um, I called him back. Said, "Are you looking for an old centerman? Because I'm I'm ready to play. I've been training." And he said, "No, I'm actually looking for a coach. So <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're interested in that, you know, let's talk a little bit more." But uh, we're all set on the old centermen who, who have slowed down a step. So Yeah, yeah we're, we're deep down the middle. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I thought about it. And, and like I said, I was only planning on playing a couple more years. And this seemed like a pretty good opportunity. So I told them I'd like to at least go through the interview process and, and see, uh, you know, how interested I'd be after talking with him more and talking with management. And um, here we are today. Here so. we are today. Second season behind the bench as a Penguins assistant coach, returning here to northeastern Pennsylvania after you spent parts of the 15-16 and 16-17 season here with the black and gold. And um, how has that transition gone from player to coach? I mean, you told us the story, the tale of how it came to be, but were there any things that you had to really adjust to in terms of walking the tightrope between, oh, I was just in the locker room as one of the boys, and now I'm on the other side of that office door. Was there anything going on there, or did you kind of take to it like a duck to water? Yeah, no, it was a pretty easy transition. I feel like my last few years of playing was, um, you know, kind of that middleman between the coaching staff and the players where you have a little bit of say with the coaches. They kind of ask your opinion on on some of the stuff, uh, you know, it was a pretty easy transition. I was helping out the young guys, um, trying to be a good leader. So you get a little bit of a, a coaching feel that way. And then um, just the responsibilities of being one of the older guys is, is more of similar to a coach than the young guy that's coming in five minutes before you're supposed to be there yep. and um, or late, Yep. you know, one of the two. So um, I think it was a pretty easy transition, especially my last few years of, of being in that uh, in that role as a leader and one of the older guys. Okay, good, good. Glad to hear that uh, you made the transition smoothly. I know it's been a, a good match from the, the Penguin standpoint, bringing you back here to the organization in this role. 
Um, you mentioned before working the D, coaching behind the Penguins blue liners on the bench, and one of your responsibilities as a coach is heading up the penalty kill, tutoring those guys in practice, in-game, video, et cetera, et cetera, on the PK. First, let me ask you this. Do you mind me citing penalty killing statistics whenever we do interviews? No. You don't mind it? No. Okay. I, I may not be know exactly what, what the numbers are. Yeah. Well, let me put it this way. As of recording, Penguins penalty kill hasn't allowed a goal in five straight games. 19 for 19. You know who would hate me saying that? Who? J.D. Forrest. <laughs> Whenever he Good. was an assistant and he was running the penalty kill, I'd talk to him, hey, J.D., can I do a little interview with you about the penalty kill? He'd be like, yeah, sure. And then anytime he'd be like, hey, in your past 20 games, the penalty kill's 90%. And I could see his eyes would roll into the back of his head. And afterwards, he'd be like, you know they're scoring tonight, right? You know they're scoring yeah. tonight, right? And I'd be like, no, no, they're not. And I'm not kidding. Anytime I interviewed him about the penalty kill, they would score that night. So oh, we'll have to I, see what happens I, well, next well, game. <laughs> well, I learned how to you know, kind of tiptoe around it and phrase it differently around J.D. Fingers crossed now that I've, I've read the numbers this time that uh, the same fate does not befall you, the same luck. But you don't mind if I, if I interview you and go, like, throw out this number, this number, that number. Nope. I, I am superstitious, but, like, you know, if that's going to be the one that, that – you know, makes us give up a, a goal, then we have some other issues. So, and then we'll have to watch some video and go over it. But I don't think that's going to be the reason. I try not to be, you know, superstitious in that way. Like, I know JD is. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's big into that. And um, it's gotten bad when we get our coffees. Someone, if we win, whoever bought the coffees that day has to buy them until we lose. lose. And then okay. we switch. And so there's a lot of, you know, stuff like that that goes on, and I try not to let that affect me. So if you want to throw out the stats, you're more than welcome to, and we'll just see what happens. If it becomes a problem, then we'll have to yeah, We'll have to changes. have another conversation. <laughs> exactly. We'll have to have another conversation. Exactly. Um, you say you are a superstitious guy, though. What are some of your individual superstitions? Um, are they even second nature at this point? They're habit yeah, more than yeah, even superstition. Yeah, I would really have to think about it. But, um, I mean, the coffee thing. Right. You know, anytime we win, it's kind of keeping that same routine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I get up, and if I'm driving in, I get a coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, and we win, it's Dunkin' Donuts. We're for back a while. to Dunkin'. Or it's, star you know, you Starbucks, go to Starbucks. Wegmans. And, yeah. And you just got to change it up. And then now it's gotten to iced coffee and, and hot coffee, or, oh. you know, do you get a latte? What, whatever it is, you got to, you have to change up the order. Yeah. For sure. So that's, that's unless you're rolling and then you're sticking with ice. Rolling, yeah. You're sticking yeah. with hot. You're sticking with the nitro or whatever. Exactly. I got exactly. You. So it all comes back to the coffee. The coffee. Yeah. That's, that's a big one. That's a big one for sure. Um, I mean, when I was playing, I had a bunch just the way I got dressed, the way what suit I wore, that one is still in effect here. If we win, I just got to have, I have to keep wearing the same color suit, shirt, same and tie. color suit, okay. same color suit, same suit. Same suit? Same suit. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so if we go on a long stretch, I could be in some trouble here. But, um, yeah, oh, yeah, shirt and tie will change. Sh shirt and tie will change. The yeah. suits will remain intact. Yeah. Do you have, like, no dry cleaning rules? If for whatever reason we were to go on, like, a Norfolk Admirals-esque heater, challenge the all-time record for a winning streak, can you at least take it to the dry cleaner? Oh, yeah, you have to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Yeah, no, no. We got to stay clean here. <laughs> <laughs> we have standards. That, that, yeah, yeah, that thing would get wrinkly and and uh, probably smell a little bit. So, yeah, no, definitely able to dry clean. Okay. My, I got a dr great dry cleaner. They're, they get it done in a day or two. So right back, ready for the next game.
Perfect. There yeah. we go. So we yeah. don't have to worry about smelly no. suits if we go on a, a long run here no. down the stretch. Which we're hoping to do. So, Which we are definitely hoping to do. And maybe the, the penalty kill can be a big aid in that here for the Penguins. I mentioned that uh, five games in a row now without giving up a goal against. I know earlier this season you sat down with the guys and you tinkered a little bit. You changed some things. And it really was since, I don't know, maybe – January or something like that. You, the statistics overall on the penalty kill have been uh, absolutely lights out. What is it like standing behind the bench and seeing guys whenever they go on runs like this, where it's just night after night successive and you can just be so, I guess confident is, is lack of a better word, but can you feel that, that aura on the bench whenever you guys have to go to the box? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, we've talked about it a lot. Like you said, we struggle a little bit early on. We tinkered with some things and uh, – Changed some things a little bit, and the PK has been much better. But I think we have that confidence now that even late in the game, um, if we you know take a penalty, which we don't want to do, we have that confidence to to get that kill and allow us to stay in that game or stay with the lead or or be able to to come back after that, and not you know go down two or three goals. So um, it's it's taken everybody. Our our goalies have stepped up. Our D have been. Uh, they've been doing a great job blocking shots. The forwards are, you know, pressuring all over the place. So um, I think everyone's kind of stepped up and, and taken responsibility to, to get the PK a little bit better. So I think that's it truly is a penalty killing unit. I know on the broadcast, I'll be like, oh, this is one of the Penguins' best penalty killing forwards or something like that. Or the old cliche is your goalie needs to be your best penalty killer. But if you have one weak link out there, Teams are good enough at this level. Professionals are good enough. They'll pick you apart. It really is a penalty-killing unit, and you start to see that whenever it's really humming along, how everyone's doing exactly what they need to do, sticks and lanes, blocking shots, pressuring, et cetera, et cetera. It is a unit. It's not just penalty-killing forwards, defensemen, goalie. It's a whole unit. Yeah, for sure. You get one guy on a different page, and, and like you said, these guys will pick you apart. Oh. They'll find that, you know, that whole – guys a stick in the wrong spot it's it's the the pk is very detailed and and you know where your stick is where your body positioning is where to pressure where not to pressure um when to collapse to the net when to, to pressure out high all that stuff so um the guys have been doing a great job you know going over the video and and with those changes that we made they've done a great job and uh you know, hopefully you keep this rolling and you didn't screw up our streak. We'll but see. Don't, don't do that to me. Don't you put that <laughs> evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Um, when you talk about the details and all these little things that have to go into making sure everyone's on the same page, um, how much of an adjustment has that been for you as a coach to get that message out? Because not every great player has necessarily been a great coach. I know the example people always cite is Wayne Gretzky was head coach of the Phoenix Coyotes then at the time. They didn't have a lot of success. Well, he's the best player ever. Obviously, he'll be the best coach ever. It does not always work that way. You were a fantastic penalty killer, one of your calling cards in your playing days. How have you been able to translate your penalty-killing skills into being a penalty-killing teacher? Um, I, I think I've had some great coaches um, throughout my playing career. I've had some bad coaches as well. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> I'm not saying he was a bad coach, but I did play. My first coach was Wayne Gretzky. No way, was it really? Yeah. Oops. I was I was drafted <laughs> by by Phoenix, and uh, you know my first year there, he was he was the head coach. So it was awesome to have him as a coach. I mean, he's the greatest player ever. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he had, you know, some trouble 
teaching guys because he was just so good. Yeah. Everything came so easy to him. It's like, why can't these guys just do what I Yeah, why was able why can't you just pull up here, do this pass here and then go here and it's just like, well, it's not as intuitive for a guy who could put up 8 points in his sleep. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I've had some great coaches. I mean, John Hines was my coach in junior. Um, David Quinn was also a coach in junior. I played for Sully in yep. Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Chris Taylor, I played for him in the minors. Um, he's a great coach. JD was one of my coaches. So I've had a lot of good coaches that are very detailed. Um, so I think I learned from them along the way. And that was something I, I tried to incorporate while I was playing was, you know, those good details on the penalty kill. And I think once you understand and know all those details, then it, uh, it becomes a little bit easier to teach. So I, I, there was definitely a learning curve and, um, when going over video with guys about um, how to teach them. And, and sometimes you got to tinker with that as well. Um, guys learn in different ways. So you have to kind of find, you know, what works for, for different guys. Some guys you need to draw on the, on the, the whiteboard. whiteboard. Yeah. Some you need to show video clips. Some, you know, some guys are so smart, you just, you just tell them. You just talk to them about it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about." I the light bulb that goes off, and they've got it, and they know. Some guys you got to take out on the ice early before practice and actually skate the route, or you know, the be in the position you want them in, or show them where the stick needs to be, stuff like that. So there's different ways that uh, guys learn, and and like I said, it's a learning curve for me and on how guys learn and and how to teach guys. So it's it's been cool. Which guy were you? Were you a visual learner, an audio learner, those intuitive learners? Did you oh, have I to go I out and skate the route? You just <laughs> knew. <Yeah. laughs> no, I, I had to do all those things, especially early on. I think the young guys, you know, sometimes you got to do two or three different things. you got to show them on the whiteboard. Then you show them a clip um, on the computer, and then you take them out on the ice and, and actually walk through it with them. So I think – you know, early on, the young guys, you kind of have to do two, three steps. Some of the older guys, you maybe you show them the clip, and then they know, and then, you know, eventually it's like, hey, this is where you're supposed to be, and uh, and then they, they pick up on it right away. Well, now those guys have been exactly where they've needed to be. Lately for the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins, I think, what was it, two for two the other night? No, you guys were better than that against Bridgeport. You guys were four for four. Four for four. Double that. Two four for two, uh, Lehigh. Two for two Lehigh, four for four against Bridgeport. Not only was the penalty kill humming, everyone was cooking on Saturday night's game. That was an absolute blast for myself. I know a sold-out crowd. I imagine the coaches, that was uh, as fun as it gets, too. The Penguins rattling off nine goals in that 9-2 to win in front of a packed house. That tied the franchise record for goals in a single game. But Port's... I want to test uh, your your Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins knowledge a little bit here. We're going to play a little game of Penguins trivia okay. here on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know what your prize is, but it's right outside that door if you can get it right. All right. Let's play some Penguins trivia. Sports. Not only did the Penguins tie a franchise record with nine goals overall in the game, but they rattled off five goals in the second period. Okay. When was the last time the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins scored five goals in a single period? You are welcome to take your time. <laughs> I mean, it it had to be when I was here, or I don't think you'd be asking me. So would it be 16-17? No, it was not the 16-17 season. Okay. 
Keep going. Um, it was last season. Nope, it was not last season. We did not score five goals in a period last season. We didn't. No. I, then I have no idea. You're gonna you're gonna mail it in right now. There could be a million dollars behind that door right there. The deal or no deal girls are there with the briefcase. <laughs> there might be. You don't know what's behind that door. Um, it it could have been the fifteen sixteen season. Okay. Um, my only guess would be it was in. Is was it a home game? Because I believe the one game I'm thinking of was in Hartford. Okay. And I think we were down. I don't know four nothing. And I think we came back and won six five. Is that? Are you gonna lock it in? That's my yeah. It's, that's got to be it. Well, Mr. If Porter, I was involved in it. Well, Mr. Porter, the last time the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins scored five goals in a single period prior to last Saturday's game against Bridgeport was November fifteenth, twenty fifteen, at Hartford. The Penguins were down five to one going into the second period. Here we were down. The four Penguins goals. scored five times in the second to take a six to five lead with two goals from Kevin Porter in that second period. And then the Penguins won the game seven to six in ah. overtime. Hartford tied the game with a one Oh nine left with the extra attacker. Okay. But then Scotty Wilson polished it off in OT. That was pretty close. Uh, you were right. You got the game. I got the game. You didn't get the exact date. I wasn't actually looking for the exact date. You no, got the game tough, after yeah. a little bit of, yeah. Walk in the labyrinth. You got there in your mind, and this is a game that I mean, fans know that tune into the broadcast. I will reference all the time. This was early in my tenure with Wilkesbury Scranton, and I can still see all these goals play in my mind over and over again. How well do you remember that seven-six comeback at Hartford? Um, I I remember it fairly well. Yeah, and there's uh, I I remember one of my goals. I believe I. I don't know, picked it up. There was a turnover. I picked it up behind the net. I walked out front, and I was looking to pass the whole time, and then I shot one low blocker and scored. Um, but the the reason I remember this was TK and I were talking. Um, I don't know. It had to be a few months ago, and we brought this game up. And uh, I, I, don't, I, I think I was playing with Sheary and Wilson, I think, were my two line mates, and I was the center. And I didn't remember this as well as he did, uh-huh. but he's like, did you remember when Sully just ripped into you guys? I was like, God, I vaguely remember him like yelling at us. He's like, oh, it was, it was bad. And then he's <laughs> it like, was bad. he's like, your line went out and basically took over the game and, and won us the game. And, uh, so it was, I, I guess what happened was after the second period, Sully came in and basically told our line that we were playing horrible and or after the be, first period. After the yeah. first period. And we needed to be way better, basically ripped into our line. And I guess from there we just came out and, and took over the game. And you said Willie scored the, the overtime winner, and I think I had two goals. So You had um, you had two goals, your first two goals as a Wilkesbury Scranton Penguin, the first of which was shorthanded during that second period. Then there was the peel out behind the net that you uh you mentioned before. That was the last goal of the second period to take the lead. 6-5 when everyone's heads are spinning like what is going on today in Hartford this is nuts uh, Scott Wilson in addition to the overtime game winner had a goal in regulation and an assist so a 3.9 for him and Connor Sherry had four assists so that would make sense that you guys would have been together as a line 
and I guess Sully's message got through. Uh, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, if you ever have TK on here, ask him about that. He'll he'll tell you. He was the one that reminded me of it, and and maybe I just tried to block that memory of getting yelled at. But uh, <laughs> just remember the the comeback, the good stuff. Exactly, scoring <laughs> two goals after that, and and I don't want to say you know giving it to Sully, but we, I guess we kind of gave it to him there. Yeah. So which I'm sure he was hoping for. That, that's, um, that's that's exactly exa- what he was looking for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it all worked out. He didn't yell at you to make himself feel better. Nope. No. Nope. Just to make us better. So. And there you have it. You ultimately uh, go up to Pittsburgh with Sully. Uh, you know, lift the Stanley Cup over your head. A, a tremendous ride there. Um, Tom Kostopoulos, now a part of the Penguins coaching staff, as after his illustrious career that needs no introduction penguins fans know everything that tk's done in his career how how often whenever tk's in town or we're on the road and he meets up with us do you guys end up actually kind of reminiscing about some of those days uh quite often yeah some of the younger guys will just ask us because once we play a little bit of three on three they're like wow you guys have pretty good chemistry well we were line mates for almost two full years yeah um yeah, it's it's pretty cool. We we tell them some stories about uh, us being on a line together and and uh, playing together those those couple of years. So it's it's fun to have him around. He's a great development coach and and helps out a ton. So and obviously you know fun, you know likes to have a good time, joke around. So it's uh, it's a good time having him here. It's always a blast. Yeah. A wealth of information to share with these uh, young developing players here with the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins, which you are also. Uh, in charge of uh, development here as part of the deal here in the American <laughs> Hockey League. But here on the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast, we have our previous episode's guest leave a blind question for the next episode's guest. So without knowing it, one of the players that you coach has given you a question. Okay. It can be about anything in the world. We just open it up to say, hey, go wherever you like to go. Kevin Porter, are you ready for me to pop the question? Sure. Ports, which do you prefer more, mountains or beaches? Wow. Um, you a mountain guy or a beach guy? I enjoy both, but if I had to pick one. You have to pick one. It's got to be the beach. You're a be- you go over the beach first. Yeah, I like going on a nice hike and up in the mountains, but uh, I mean, how do you beat the, the beach? Toes in the sand. A couple cold beers. Can't nice beat it. weather, 75 and sunny. Like, they just write songs about that. <laughs> they, they do. They have it's, many. It's yeah. I mean, how do you beat that? I, I feel I, like we just did write the song. If yeah. we go back and listen to the last like three <laughs> sentences that we said, it, maybe we'd have to play with the structure just to make it rhyme. But yeah. we just wrote a song. Yeah. How can you beat that? That's that's the hook at the end of the chorus. You really can't. Yeah. Sunny and 75 and and sitting on the beach with a couple of cold beers is. <laughs> I mean, you just can't beat it. So um, that would be my answer. Have you had like a favorite vacation destination that you've gone to where it's like that was the best beach we've ever been to, best weather, blank? Um, I, if you have good weather and you're on a beach, I mean, it's it's tough to beat. But anywhere's uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been to the U.S. Virgin Islands. That was that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um. My wife and I, for our honeymoon, went to uh, Africa. So Whoa! We went to uh, Mozambique for uh, an island off of Mozambique for um, four days, and the beaches there are beautiful. And and uh, so that was that was really cool. 
That sounds got, really cool. Yeah. yeah, went on a couple safaris and and did the whole the whole deal. So that was that was actually awesome. But uh, the beaches there were that's something I'll never forget for sure. You went on safaris on your honeymoon. Yeah. Yeah, that was what we decided to do. We went to South Africa and and That's killer. Uh, yeah, we went to Cape Town for three days. Kind of spent uh, some time in the city, and then uh, we went to um, this resort, safari resort, and uh, we were there for four days. And you do you go on two um, safaris, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, every day. And you kind of just relax and and eat. Other than that, so. and and just take it all in, soak it all in. Oh yeah, yeah. And then and then we went to an island off of Mozambique for a few days to just, you know, do the typical honeymoon, sit on the beach and have a few drinks. Wonderful. It was awesome. Wonderful. We're a big wife show here on the Penguins podcast. What's nice. your What's your wife's name? Carrie. Carrie was she someone who was like, hey, honey. We got to go to Africa. We got to go on safari for the honeymoon. Was it a joint decision? Were you a guy like, I want to go on safari? Like, how did you guys end I, up I coming even, to this yeah. African honeymoon decision? I've I never met e- someone who's done this. Oh, it's it's awesome. Yeah. I, I, we'd like to like go it. back for sure. Um, she actually just brought it up and was like, I, I'm going to do this with or without you at some point in my life. You so know, are you I, in I could find, yeah. I could find, you know, my sister will go. I can find some friends. My mom will go. And I kind of thought about it. I'm like this is actually really cool. Like most people just, like I said, go to Hawaii or go, which is still really cool. I've actually never been to Hawaii and I'd I'd like to go, but I was like, who goes to South Africa for their honeymoon? Never heard of it. Or for anything. Yeah. Um, So I kind of thought about it. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Like a safari would be really cool. And then you still get to do the, you know, the whole beach thing. And so we decided, she kind of brought up the idea and, and then we decided together. So it was awesome. Slam dunk. Hell yeah. Some cool videos of, of, you know, rhinos and, and leopards and all these awesome animals. We got stuck in uh, in the herd of uh, elephants for about 45 minutes. When you say stuck, like like you have to park because it's essentially an elephant traffic jam? Yeah, they're, they're mean. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. In the wild, they're mean. Like, they're like, don't stick your hands outside the, the Jeep. And we had an, an uncovered Jeep. And we sat there and they started moving. They started going across the road. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. And then after 45 minutes, you're like, whew. <laughs> like we, we, they were coming, you know, in front of us, behind us. They'd come up right next to the Jeep. And uh, and then, yeah, we sat there for 45 minutes and watched them. And there were babies. There were these giant elephants. It was It was really cool. Wow. Yeah. That is something. Yeah. So not only did we find out that you are a, a beach guy, you are an African safari guy <laughs> as well. Yeah. I do like the mountains as well, but oh, yeah. I had to pick one. You're going yeah. beach. I'm going what beach. What about beach versus safari? Who? Uh, if Safari. Okay. If I ever go back to Africa, it is strictly for the safari. That's why you're going? Yeah. Soak it all yeah. in, see I, all the wildlife. You can, you can go to a beach just about anywhere. You, yeah, you could. Yeah. Probably not as cool as the ones in Africa, but... It's still basically the same thing. But you're only how many times are you going to go see a lion? Exactly, or get stuck in a traffic jam with elephants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can only do that. A little different than going to the zoo. So, (laughs) yes, Um, certainly. I I think yeah, uh, the safari is just uh, it's something not a lot of people have done, and I would like to do again. So, might have to sign myself up. You you should you should be working for the. 
the travel to- agency. To- tourism yeah. bureau of South Africa right now. I know. I could be making some money. There you go. A little, little bit of a side hustle. You, yeah, you might get like a tie-in. Like, or people will be like, oh, yeah, if, uh, if you invite X amount of people to our app, give them this promo code, and you'll get 20% off. You're just doing that right now with your Safari. Like, you'll get 20% off your next Safari if I'll you sign a, up. I'll get a code next time I'm on. We'll <laughs> Get you a code for yeah, the travel agency. The, the whole team will end up with codes going on safaris. You're 80% off your next safari oh, after that. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, Ports, are you uh, curious at all as to who left you, that uh, that blind question? I was going to ask, yeah, who left that? Uh, well, I would direct you and our listeners to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast archives located on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. So you're not going to tell me? Nope. <laughs> All right. I you can look it up listen, like everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And I'll, hey, you'll have a perfect chance to look it up once we uh, sign off here. We only have a little bit of time left here on the podcast, but before we completely shut it down, we got to do one last thing. Our final segment. This is how we close out every show, Kevin. This is a little something we call Pens Picks. Picks. Ports, it's at this time in the podcast where I will ask my guest for a recommendation that they can give the fans. Anything in the world that you're super into right now, something that you love, you can't get over, that someone else should try out, that they should check out, that maybe they're not giving it the proper recognition that it probably deserves, hmm. at least in your eyes. You can give them that recommendation now. What is your Pen's pick. Anything in the world. Yeah, anything in the world. I mean, you already just gave like a huge home run swing for African tourism and safaris. Yeah, no, the safaris would definitely be one. But um, I've recently, I guess it's been a couple of years, and, and I haven't played in a little while, but uh, pickleball. Oh, okay. Have you ever played pickleball? I played pickleball when I was in middle school gym. Shout out David E. Williams Middle School. We played pickleball once a year. When I was in like fifth grade and sixth grade, I think we stopped by seventh yeah. and eighth grade. Haven't picked up a pickleball paddle since. Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, yeah. You get a uh, couple buddies together and and uh, find a court, and I play with my brothers back home and a couple buddies, and and we'll go early in the morning, and sometimes I'll jog to the court, get a little workout in, and then uh, play pickleball for a couple hours. So pickle it up. Have you found is... any courts around here? No. No, I didn't even bring my my racket. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can pick them up at uh, you know Target or yeah, you know, a couple Dick Sporting Goods. Dick, I'm sure. Dick Sporting yeah. Goods. Yeah, I'll find a promo code for Dicks and we'll get that on there. Twenty <laughs> percent off your next pickleball purchase. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. But I mean, they're they're fairly cheap. You can buy paddles on Amazon for you know get four paddles and a couple balls for twenty five bucks and you know go out for a couple hours, get a little workout in and. I've I've enjoyed it a lot, especially we started my brothers and I started playing during the pandemic, so it was something to do outside and and uh, get a little exercise, and we just really enjoyed it. So that would that was the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, I'm sure. I love it. You know, probably could have thought of something else, but that no, was that's it. my pen's pick. That is your pen's pick. I'll throw out two pen's picks for our listeners. One I wasn't thinking of at all, but you talking about this has zapped this directly into my brain is spike ball. We've got it in the locker room. It gets intense. If you are not playing spike ball, if you have not picked up a spike ball set for your house, for your road trips, your vacations at the beach, you got to get on the spike ball train. Just go on YouTube and look up like spike ball highlights. I just call it flat volleyball. It's what it is. You just get two people. You go instead of hitting it over the net, you hit it on the net and it trampolines back out into play. And it is a 
blast. It is. When, we played in the in the gym a few times. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun and and you get moving around pretty good too. Yeah, and I will also give a pen's pick. Longtime listeners know uh, I am a huge popcorn fanatic. I eat popcorn all the time. If I was dumb enough, I would eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But I decide to mix in some greens and some meats here and there. But I love popcorn. This is something I learned over the pandemic ports, and this will be my pen's pick. You are not supposed to use the popcorn button on the microwave. Really? Don't use the popcorn setting. Well, it's it's they're all different, right? Exactly. And it's all the popcorn buttons just kind of guesstimating where it should be. Yeah. You look at any microwave popcorn, if you're making microwave popcorn instead of like stovetop popcorn or something like that, Anyone that says, hey, put it in for X amount of minutes or until there are so many seconds between pops, right? Yeah. I changed it up. I okay. said no to the popcorn setting. I'm listening to the directions on the box. Do you know how many unpopped kernels I have now in my microwave popcorn? Probably not many. Single digits. Wow. Single digits. Do you know how many burnt kernels I have at the end of my popcorn? Zero. Zero. They tell you how to do it, and we just hit popcorn instead of you have to patiently wait. You want to make sure you get it right. You don't want to burn it, so you have to stand and wait versus just you can walk away and do something else with the popcorn setting. Yeah. My pen's pick is dialing up the digits. Figure it out on your microwave how long you have to take to get the perfectly popped bag of microwave popcorn. Abandon the popcorn setting. Make like General that. Electric. Make it moot. 20 years from now, they're not even going to be putting those on microwaves because we oh. changed it right here. Yeah, most likely. We're yeah. we're a big popcorn household as well. Yeah. Sometimes there's a little trial and error too. So you know that's the problem you're gonna have the, to go the difference, to. Too. The difference between two minutes and two minutes and fifteen seconds. Gigantic. Huge. Gigantic. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it's huge. It's massive. Could ruin the whole bag. But you gotta crack a few eggs to make an omelet, right? Exactly. So and you just gotta get the giant Costco uh bin of of popcorn. So it's if like, one goes it's south, like it's like okay, we still bags. have yeah, we yeah. still have fifty nine more. Yeah, I gotta find a Costco uh, coupon code now. <laughs> We're all on the coupon <laughs> codes now too. Yeah. Another pen's pick to coupon codes. If you got coupon codes, use them. That's Share my, them with your friends. My, yeah. That's your pen's pick. That's my coupon pen's codes. Pick. Coupon okay. Codes, so yeah. you got pickleball and coupon codes. Yeah. I'm going with spike ball and not using the popcorn button on your microwave. Actually Perfect. typing up the time and Perfect. getting it just. Perfect. And this has been a perfect episode of the Penguins Podcast. Ports, I really can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your day to join me here. It's been a pleasure. I'll be sure to get a question from you for our next episode's guest, but you'll have to tune in next time to hear what this Penguins assistant coach has cooked up for one of his players. Thanks again, Kevin. I really appreciate it. I'll let you get to the rest of your Not day. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Go blue, right? Go blue, you, uh, as you always. You got a prediction for uh, – First Frozen Four game? First game. Um, That's on Thursday, so this will be probably outdated in a couple hours. 4-2 Michigan. 4-2 Over Blue. Denver. There you go. Yep. National champions. National champions. Yeah. He's gone on. <laughs> He's called it, ladies and gentlemen. The former Hobie Baker winner says the Wolverines are winning it all. Yeah. And this is me, Nick Hart, an award winner of nothing, thanking you for tuning in to today's episode. We'll see you next time. Yeah.